Welcome to another episode of 2,730 Years and Counting. Uh, once again, as those of you that have any kind of understanding of the events that have been going on between Judah and Ephraim know, um, my podcast is about that very encounter, that very experience, that very family schism that has existed for almost 3,000 years now. And uh, you know that uh, typically when I have a new person on for an interview that has never interviewed with me before, that my first question to them is usually, um, you know, how did they encounter the two-house understanding? Because typically it, it ranges all the way from someone just discovering in the Bible, deciding to do it, all the way to them encountering others who, who turned them on to it and got them excited about it. So today we're going to have a great, great interview with a, a man that I've heard much about, although I don't know much about him, and I intend to discover a lot more today. Um, a man by, from Australia by the name of Jono Van Dor. Those of you that have been involved in Hebrew matters for very long, I'm sure that you've heard his name. Um, he has has done things with uh, Nehemiah Gordon, among others, and uh, he's a very, very well-spoken man, and um, I'm looking forward to hearing his opinions about things. We're going to sound each other out on a lot of things because there's going to be a lot of mutual learning going on here. But uh, so with that being said, uh, Jono, I would like to ask you, how did you discover the two houses? G'day, Gene. Thank you for uh, the invitation, by the way. I, I, it's a, an honor to be on your program. And uh, this is the first time you and I have spoken. So it's always fun to meet new people. And I, I appreciate yes. uh, being here. And, and thanks to the audience for tuning in. Uh, how did I just, did you say, how did I discover the, the yeah, two? Yeah, yeah. How, how, how did you encounter the two-house understanding? I mean, however you did, you know, where where'd you bang into it? Um, I, well, really, I, I think it's fairly plain in the text. And, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and really it's just a matter of, for me, it was just a matter of, uh, in in my study of, of the Tanakh, uh-huh. it's just very, very, uh, very plain and, uh, right. and, and, and a major theme, if, if I would say, a major theme of, uh, of the Tanakh itself. I mean, we understand that the uh, the Bible really is all about a particular people, a particular land, yes. uh, mm-hmm. uh, a particular God of that of that uh, of those people. Right. Uh, that they were dispersed for their uh, idolatry. They were they were expelled from the land which God had given them, and that He says that He will bring them back. Um, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, it's not something that seems to be hidden in in the text. Right. So I. What what I find really uh, interesting is that I mean, look, I uh, people may know that I run um, a Truth to You uh, podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Truth Number Two Letter and right. uh, and it is a Tanakh focused program for the most part. Uh, your program is is not just that, but it's a it's a, a two. You've you've said to me that uh, it's a two house focused um, uh, re- re- podcast. Uh, right. You, we were talking off air just before, and you referred to yourself as a two house fanatic. How? I, what I'm curious about, and here's me switching into interviewer mode, and I'm, I, I just that's right, that's right. <laughs> so forgive me if I so do that. Because great conversation. It'll make for I, a great conversation. Yes. I know you're the interviewer. This is the thing. I always, I always feel funny when I'm being interviewed because I'm always <laughs> used to being the interviewer. Uh, so um, how how does how does one become uh, have a have a podcast, and most most all of the uh, the programs are on uh, this this two house theme. Yes, in fact, uh, what I what I do now is is I roam the world, so to speak, looking for people who see themselves as Ephraimites, and I interview them to find out number one how they found out about the whole notion of the two houses, number two how they're living it out, and I've I've spoken to people from Sri Lanka to Uganda to the United States to Canada to everywhere Norway. 
I mean, I've spoken to people from all over the world that see themselves this way, and that there's no question in my mind that this thing is – it's like a snowball rolling downhill. It's, it's getting very large, and it's getting so, very, very noticeable. So I'm interested in your perspective, just to – because you and I have never spoken before, so this is interesting. Right. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I think it's fairly evident in the text. I don't think you have to – I mean, you really have to try hard right. not to see it. I mean, I don't understand why it would there you even, go. Uh, See, I, th- I think there. I think there are a lot of people that are ignoring it. <laughs> really, <laughs> That's exactly I, it, right. It know? sounds sort of almost like a conspiracy that, that people are. Yeah. Is that what you're encountering? You you find people that are. Why would well, they Why would they be ignoring it? Well, you know, Christians. There's no There's no place in their theology for the two houses. Tell me about Christians that. are. Christians are all about bringing people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they're all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't, and they, they don't view themselves as Israelites. You know, not, not the vast majority of them. Now, I'm but sure why, that there's some, why there's some variations. Well, well, you know, because I believe that many people that call themselves Christians are actually descended from Israelites. What do you base that on? Uh, on the migrations of, you, have you read any of Yair Davidi's books? Ah, okay. Now I'm with you. Now I see where you are. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's all right. So uh, just and, uh, based on migration, but... <laughs> Is, is that all? I mean, you would just, I mean, do they have to be Christian based on migration? Or do they have to oh, adhere no. to a, right, tell me about that. No, no, I, I think that, uh, I truly believe that Yehovah cast us out to every corner of the earth. I mean, you know, you, he talks about how the Northern Kingdom and how the Northern Kingdom went into disobedience, how he cast them out of the land, and he said that he would cast them to, to the to the four corners of the earth, and he, and he also said he would cast them out to every nation. Mm. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm doing my little bit to prove that. To, to, to show that there are people all over the place that firmly believe that they are descended from those Israelites that were cast out. How do you qualify uh, someone who is a, uh, an outcast of Israel? Uh, how do you qualify? Is, is it just because they have a firm belief or is there something further by which you qualify them? Well, you know, it depends on, on the where's and why's. Um, for instance, uh, like I've said before, in the East is where this is really, really starting to make itself apparent at this point. The West is too self-satisfied. The West is too hung up on its 401ks and its and the comfort of its lifestyle and all those things. And also its, its self-improvement programs. In the East, on the other hand, you've got people who live from day to day. And every day they have to, they have to struggle to survive another day. And they're very con- concerned about and interested in why they are alive, why they are there. So they're much more interested in finding out about these kinds of things. In the East, you will find, um, as my friend Margot Crossing has found in numerous situations, that many, many of the people in India, for instance, have leftover uh, traditions that they follow that are obviously Hebrew traditions. I mean, I mean, many, many Hebrew traditions. It's absolutely amazing, in fact, the things that she's encountered. Um, you know, she has she's encountered numerous, numerous groups of people, each of which has a lost book legend, a lost book story about how they lost their book, the Torah, that is. And, you know, and so a lot of them, you know, they, and yet they still do things that they obviously inherited from their the Israeli ancestors. Uh, various, numerous things. Uh, for instance, uh, um, their traditions of getting married sometimes. Um, how they, uh, they, they observe the laws of Nidah, some of them. Um, and just all different kinds of mixes and matches of traditions that have been carried down or even carried down and they've been maybe adjusted they've been changed a little bit but they, they still are obviously descended from an israelite origin so so to you uh not just a a particular um a belief but in addition a an oral uh 
tradition or a or a, a customary tradition is enough to convince you that that's where they're from. Yeah, you know, especially especially when there are large numbers of them. Although I, I don't, you know, I don't believe that that numbers necessarily mean anything at all. But the bottom line is, when you have a whole group of people who live in an area, I mean, I, by by a whole group, by the way, let me give you some numbers. Mm. Um, Margot has spoken with people that have done research there who lead her to believe that there are at least half a billion Israelites in China and half a billion Israelites in India. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about huge numbers. We're talking about large, large numbers. And uh, these people have very definite traditions that are unquestionably of Hebrew origin. And they think, I mean, and there's so many mixes and matches. For instance, I'll give you an example in Kashmir. Kashmir is an Islamic nation, and yet they believe they're Israelites. Mm. Now, how does that work? How does that work? But it works for them. I mean, they, they, they have this conglomeration of notions that they are Islamic, but they're Israelites, which means they don't have a clue about Torah, obviously. And yet they, they will, they'll fight you over, over uh, if you as, try to assert to them that they're not Israelites. Mm. Um, and yet there are many, many people in, in Kashmir who are very interested in this. Um, Margot Crossing planned on having a three-day conference uh, last October in, in uh, Kashmir, but then things got wild and crazy in India and Kashmir, and they the Indian government shut off all the uh, internet in Kashmir and all the telephone service. So that sort of made it tough to do a conference. And so she has postponed it. Let, let, let me ask you this question. Does, From your perspective, does um, uh, genealogy um, uh, play a part in, in qualification of uh, someone being descended from the, well, uh, the, the 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 house of Judah or the house of Israel. Well, to, I mean, to some extent, to the extent that Yehovah is proves that yes, indeed, he does keep his promises and he does fulfill his threats. Uh, that may matter. However, on the other hand, you can have you know, uh, I don't buy people holding up their pedigree and saying, "See, you have to let me in because I I qualify." Um, because you're going to have people who have a wonderful pedigree but couldn't care less about the Torah, and you're going to have people who have no pedigree at all that they can prove who walk absolutely in Torah. But and is, I think that, but uh, is, is the walking in Torah a qualification or, or, or a, um, uh, a fair identification of someone who is descended, uh, who, who is of the seed of Israel? Well, I, I agree with people who say that, uh, you know, that, 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 that the Torah, if you read the Torah, the Torah basically says, if you if you live in the camp and you walk in Torah, you walk in obedience to the Torah, you're an Israelite. The Bible will accept anybody who does that. Where does it say that? Well, I, I'd have to chase it down. I can't give you the exact uh, the exact uh, quote, the exact uh, chapter and verse right now. But it's but it, it makes it fairly clear that I mean there were there were people that the mixed multitude that came out of Egypt, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean the mixed multitude that came out of Egypt was a mixed multitude. There were right. many many people that were not of Israelite origin that came out, and that that includes, by the way. Ephraim and Menashe, who had uh, what people perceive typically to be an Israel—pardon uh, me—an Egyptian mother. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, tell me, tell me what that so means that, to you. Let's 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 center in. Let's center in on that if I, if we can. Um, sure. Uh, Ephraim and Menashe, you're right. Uh, uh, Joseph married uh, the daughter of the priest of On, if I remember correctly. Clearly right. a uh, an Egyptian woman, and uh, bore to him. Uh, uh, to, to Joseph, the the uh, his two sons. Yeah, uh, Menashe, yes. Now, what is what is your point there? What is what what is your point? Just well, unpack I, that a little I'm bit. Saying, what I'm saying is, they're Israelites, and and their descendants are Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. Even why, though they even though they quote unquote are half Egyptian, they are half they are. But but right. why would you say that they are Israelite? Why are they like? So what I'm trying to get from you is, are they? Would you regard them as part of the mixed multitude, or, or would you regard them as 
what I would like to refer to as Zeri Israel, the seed of, of Israel. Um, how do you see them? Um, I think that there's a reason why they, this whole thing started out with a mixed multitude and ended up with the children of Israel wandering through the desert. And there, no, no more mention of, the, of the, uh, the mixed multitude. That all went away. And I believe that it went away because the people integrated, because the people that, that went with them, and I'm sure there was a substantial number of Egyptians that went with them, I believe that they went with them because they said, you know what? We just got done seeing your God uh, beat our God, tend to zip. And uh, we, so we're going to we're going to, to go on your side because we feel that you have the you have the God of the universe, the, the true Elohim of right. the universe. So what I'm what, where, where I'm trying to go with this, Gene, is that um, there is a distinction clearly in the Torah between uh, one and the other, and and I'm just trying to qualify where you're at uh, in regards to identifying certain groups. Would you say that if Ephraim and Manasseh are Israelites, uh, though they have uh, an Egyptian mother, or would you say they are part of the mixed multitude? I would say that they. I would say that they're adopted sons of Jacob. Jacob adopted them, and okay. as far and, as he's he was concerned, they were Israelites. Okay, okay, and uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, it was a wonderful I mean, cause, thing. Cause that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What he, he said he he yeah. did he did he did, and that's I mean, in, in the sense of doing so, uh, Joseph then. Uh, receives a double portion of the inheritance of the land uh, because he right. treats Manasseh and Ephraim as, as his own immediate sons. And, right. uh, and, and here we have it. But when we get to the book of Numbers, we see that there's, a, uh, uh, there's a, an argument that breaks out between a man whose father is Egyptian but his mother is of the tribe of Dan. Uh, Dan, the Danites, and this man whose father is an Egyptian, as he is described in, in the book of Numbers, uh, argue, it would appear, uh, it, it seems to be implied in the text, that the man uh, whose father is an Egyptian went out to claim land among the people of Dan, and they said, hey, no, you're not, you're not a, a, an Israelite. And uh, in anger, it would appear that he then blasphemed the name of God, and as a result, uh, he was put to death via stoning. You're familiar with this story, right? Yeah, I've heard it. Uh-huh, I've heard okay. of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a difference here between who is an Israelite and who is not. What are your thoughts on that? I think Fidaba, I think Fidaba is more concerned about whether or not we are Torah walkers than whether or not we have Israelite DNA. I, I believe, I believe, in fact, I believe that Yehovah's intention at the end of this whole grand scheme of things is for the entire world to be Israelite. All of it. Okay. Everybody. And, and what... you know, that, that's, that's his plan. Now, now that being said, you and I both know that um, he says also that only a remnant are going to come back together in this grand reunion of, of Judah and Ephraim that we're talking mm, about, mm. and and very likely uh, in the next step, which I believe will be uh, you know with Israel, all of Israel walking out the Torah before the world, and much of the world then saying, you know what, you guys have the right idea, we're going to join up with you. There will still be men that will walk away from it, and. So how Abba's going to handle that, you know, you know, I mean, he gives us the freedom to choose. And so we, I guess we have the ability to choose our own demise if we want. But I think that uh, I think that that's his plan. His plan is to have Israel everywhere. Just so I can continue to, to, to get a grasp of where you're coming from, um, what, what would you say are your sacred texts from, from which you're, you're drawing? I mean, I, obviously, I don't think that you would uh, uphold the Book of Mormon or, or, or Narnia, no, for no, that no. matter. Um, you, what, what would you no. say are your sacred yeah. texts? Well, I'll tell you my favorite verse of, of any verse in all of Scripture. It's, mm. it's from Jeremiah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah thirty-two forty-one is the only verse in all of Scripture where Yehovah says he will do anything with his whole heart and his whole soul. Mm-hmm. And what is that? That is reuni- reun- reuniting Israel, reuniting the two houses, planting them back in the land, and, and giving them an eternal covenant, and giving them the fear of him that will cause us to never again rebel mm. with, his, with his whole heart and with his whole soul. And I, I can't even get my head around who what the creator of the universe means by doing something with his whole heart and his whole soul. Okay. You know, that that's beyond me. Can I can I ask another question? I know I'm asking a lot of questions, sure. so just feel free to shut me up whenever you want. <laughs> but just to be even clearer, because I love I love uh, clarity and transparency. Um, yes. uh, is your Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation or from Genesis to Malachi? Um, I accept the New Testament. That I don't even like that word, uh, that, that, that combination of words. I like I like Tanakh and I like Brit Hadashah. Okay. Um, I do believe I do believe that you can't read or understand the Brit Hadashah without without the Tanakh, because the roots of the Brit Hadashah are in the Tanakh. There's no question. Mm. And uh, and people who try to call themselves new 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 Christ, New Testament believers, I think, uh, really do themselves a huge disservice because they they basically pull their roots out of of the the place that gives them the source of all their understanding. And so therefore what happens is their understanding gets very, very, in my opinion, very, very messed up. So where you say, uh, okay, so you, you believe in the, in the, we'll call it the Brit Hadashah. Uh, yeah, okay. Would you agree if I were to say from your perspective that if it is true in the Brit Hadashah, if it is true, then it is not new? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't think there, I don't think there's any new theology, quote unquote, for, I, I, I dislike that word too, but there, there, I don't think there's any new doctrine in, in the, uh, in the Brit Hadashah. Right, I think so it all comes out. Yeah. So then I, I, I assume that you would Tanakh. agree then that, that there would be a precedent for, for each claim, uh, in the, in the Tanakh for, uh, for anything that you, you believe in, in the, in the Brit Hadashah. Is that fair? Yes. It okay. Is fair. So what, what I'm curious about, if I can ask you is, because uh, you mentioned before um, that you believe that uh, all mankind will, will eventually become Israel, except for those who reject the Torah outright. Right. How would right. they do that if they are not of, if they are not Zeri Israel, if they are not the seed of Jacob? Well, like I said, see, I don't, I don't think that the seed, the literal seed, is that is anywhere near as important as as having as their Elohim, Yehovah. Mm-hmm. I think that if they if they are willing to to follow the requirements and the commandments of and the you know all the things that Yeho- the Elohim gives us that all things he's given us in the Torah, if we're willing to follow that. I think that he the is going to say, as far as I'm concerned, you're an Israeli, you're an Israelite, and I think that that's what's going to happen. I, has I don't that, think has that, that ever happened in the Tanakh? Is there ever an example of such a thing? Of of what? Of of someone uh, becoming an Israeli who an Israelite who is who is not an Israelite? Well. I mean, I'll give you an example of, uh, of course, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think of some, some examples where it led to Mashiach, where they ended up being, <coughs> being uh, ancestors of Mashiach. <coughs> and that, you know, like, for instance, uh, Ruth, you know, who was a Moabitess, mm-hmm. and yet she ended up in the, uh, in the lineage of Yeshua. Well, she ended and up in the, in the lineage of, uh, well, David ended up in the, in the uh, lineage, yeah. and, and Solomon, obviously. And uh, right. as it says in Second Samuel chapter 7, uh, that the seed of David, the seed, the physical seed of David and Solomon, uh, will be the the king of the everlasting kingdom. Um, right. I, I'm with you there, but you understand, of course, that throughout the entirety of of Ruth, she is always referred to as a Moabite. Where is there an example of uh, Moabites? Where where is there an example of 
uh, a non-Israelite coming an Israelite is, is what I'm curious about in, in the Tanakh. Do you have any such example? I haven't really prepared for that, but I bet I could find somebody that would, that would qualify. But I don't care. I mean, that's quite honestly, I don't care because I truly believe that Abba's means of determining whether or not you qualify is not nearly so much uh, dependent upon Zerah as it is upon your adherence to him, your willingness to, to be, to, to, to walk with him. I really think that's the main thing. I, I think if I, I'm trying to find somewhere where we particularly agree, and I'm trying, if, if, I, if I'm asking too many questions and you feel under the microscope, I apologize. I think in there, there's somewhere that we agree. Uh, I, I know that in, in um, Deuteronomy, it's, it, it says, uh, God says to the, um, to the Israelites, observe the Torah, um, uh, keep it and guard the, 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 the judgments, the statutes, the commandments in the sight of all the peoples around that are watching you. And right. they'll say to themselves, you know, look at this, look at this wise and understanding nation. Who, right. who is like this nation that has a God so close mm-hmm. to them? Now, the implication there, uh, and it's not explicit in the text, but it's fair to, 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 to read between the lines, that they are deciding uh, for themselves to implement such uh, commandments, such judgments, such statutes yes. in, their, mm-hmm. in their own governing system. Right. And and I think you and I would agree that you know around the world, particularly in the Western world, uh, the quote unquote Judeo Christian uh, uh, ethic is um, uh, prevalent. Most of our law springboards yeah. off uh, mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments and and the Torah. Now it's not uh, obviously it's not identical, but a very large portion of it um, comes directly can be traced back back there. Would you agree? Yeah, although I have to admit also that we're leaving it in tatters these days. Yeah, well, yeah. yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and and that's that's fair. I mean, obviously we could do better. Uh, I don't yes. doubt, but there are certain laws that that uh, cannot possibly apply to to non-Jews. Uh, for example, uh, laws that pertain specifically to the land and the ownership of land. Would would you agree with that? Uh, well, number one, I wouldn't use the term Jews to refer to all Israelites. Okay, well, so uh, um, non-Israelites, no. so, if, if you prefer, if yeah. we should we should stick with yeah. terminology that we that we like. Um, I think that I think Abba will. I, I think in the same manner in which he 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 assimilated every all the. Uh, uh, all the mixed multitude into Israel and planted them in the land because you know that there was a that mixed multitude was still there or, or the descendants I should say of that mixed multitude uh, moved into the land and they they all had a place to live. I think he will do the same thing and it'll be I think it'll be with the uh, they all they the all had large yeah they all had a place to live but did they and 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 in doing so they would have to uphold the Torah in as far as it applies right. to them but did they own the land? Um, no. I'm assuming. I, well, I, I don't know. I no, don't know. Well, well, we see I, again. We, if we return to that story in numbers, we see that. Uh, and let me look. So, uh, how, let me ask you another question. How is uh, inheritance passed down through Israelites? I know that they use the maternal side, and that I think that's garbage. I, I think that's not true. I think that inheritance passes through the male, as as has been proven. I mean, that's that's the way that the the uh, that the inheritance moves. And okay. I think that so that was a rabbinical thing that w- that was developed because of. What happened in the, in the Crusades and things, where they had all these all these children that were the product of rape by by invaders hmm. that that needed to be legitimized as as Israelites, and so the rabbis said, uh, "We'll make the mothers the the determiners, the determinants." Yeah, um, well, that, that, that's that's a uh, the, we don't actually have a text for that. That's that is a speculation, but it's a fair speculation. It may well have been uh, how that came about. But uh, you and I do agree. That is very clear in the text uh, of the Torah and, f- and and throughout the Tanakh that the patrilineal rule is in fact the rule, and I mean it's explicit. Right. 
If I can read right. to you uh, from, from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 15, which is one of my favorite verses, uh, it says, Yet it was to your fathers that the Lord was drawn in his love for them, so that he chose you, their lineal seed, from among the peoples, as is now the case. And this is, this is a focus that I'm particularly interested in, uh, because there is an emphasis there's a very big emphasis on the lineal seed, not just for uh, Israelites as a whole, but even when it comes to talking about the two houses, uh, it's explicitly mentioned that it is, in fact, the lineal seed. And, uh, and we've already mentioned, uh, for example, we mentioned before Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, where the prophet Natan is talking to David, and he says, uh, you know, when your time comes and you rest with your fathers... I will raise up after you your seed who will come from your body and establish his kingdom. Uh, and, and it goes on to say that his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. We see this again when, uh, now I think if I remember, I think it is Jeremiah chapter, Jeremiah chapter 33. Let me go here for a minute. Do you mind if I read you some Tanakh? No, that's all right. Like Tanakh it. is always good. It's always good. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, thus said the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and with the night, you're familiar with this verse. Uh, yes. And uh, if you if you can you know and and in their seasons, then my covenant may also be broken uh, with David my servant, uh, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, uh, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers, uh, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so I will multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites who minister to me. Moreover, the Lord, uh, the, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Have you not considered what these people have spoken, saying the two families which the Lord has chosen, he has also cast them off? Uh, they have despised my people as if they should be no more a nation before them. Uh, thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with the day or the night, uh, if my covenant is not with the day or the night and I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the seed of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of, his, any of his seed, any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return, and I will, uh, and I will have mercy on them. So uh, I would suggest to you that it is a major theme uh, of the Torah and one that revisits throughout the, uh, the theme of the two houses. Well, I think, I think a good way to, to present my case is that in the first Exodus, there, a mixed multitude came out of a land of slavery hmm. and made their way to to the promised land. I believe with with what I would call the greater Exodus, because you know Jeremiah speaks very clearly about the greater Exodus hmm. that will e whose 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 scope and whose size and whose hugeness will absolutely cause people to forget about the first Exodus. Sure. And and I believe that the in the same way that a mixed multitude came in the first Exodus, there will be a, a much much bigger mixed multitude in the greater exodus. So I think that give me a verse give me a verse to 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 back that one up. Okay, well, let's see is it Jeremiah chapter 16. 16 yeah. Yeah, 16. I think let's see, I'll have to look because I didn't I didn't come with all of my verses prepared. Let's see. Jeremiah, although typically Abba drops into my head when I when I'm thinking correctly. Let's see. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Jeremiah. He is, he speaks about that greater Exodus. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you know that that passage oh, yeah. where he says, you know, he says, uh, you know, where, where men where men will say, uh, well, men will not say anymore. 
as Yehovah who brought us out of Egypt uh, will say, but they'll, instead they'll say for Yehovah who brought us out of the out of the countries of the north and from all the places to which we've mm-hmm. been scattered. You know, and I think that that that's exactly what's going to be. It's going to be a a huge exodus, and it's going to be a, a supernatural event. I think we're going to yeah, look, I, it, it will transcend anything else. May it be today. And I, I I hear what you're saying, but the problem is that we have a, a qualification, a very clear qualification in verse. Um, uh, 14 and, and and 15 it says therefore behold the days are coming says the lord that it shall no longer be said that the lord lives who brought up the children of israel from the land of egypt but the lord lives who brought up the children of israel from the land of the north and and from all the lands where he had driven them for i will bring them who the children of israel back into the land which i gave their fathers again clearly uh as you pointed out patrilineal inheritance and, uh, and and by the way, patrilineal inheritance is something that we need to understand right from the get-go in order to understand how this works. And, uh, and it, because it is reiterate, reiterated and echoed all throughout the rest of the, uh, the Tanakh, it just does not go away. And, uh, and, and this is what we have. But it, don't see, I mean, it does say uh, in verse 19, the Lord, uh, my strength, and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the nations shall come to you. And this is, I mean, this is God gathering Israel from the nations. So we have to put it in its context. From the ends of the earth and say, surely our fathers, once again, our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness, uh, unprofitable things. Will a man make gods for himself, which are not gods? Your thoughts? Um, I still believe that there will be a mixed multitude that will that will pass in both, like just in, in the second time, except in a much bigger scale hmm. as passed in the first time. And that mixed multitude just somehow or other morphed over the course of 40 years in the wilderness to to the children of Israel. And I believe that that will be the case again, you, because you can, I truly... I, you can I believe it, but I just, I, I, need an, I need an explicit verse to, yeah. to join you there. I mean, I'm looking at uh, as, uh, verses as early as Exodus chapter 33, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up into the land which I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto your seed I will give it. Well, all I know is that I'm certain that that group that came out of out of Egypt was just was was a very very mixed group, and that that group morphed into into the children of Israel because they there's no place I mean they just that that description disappears, and they become the children of Israel. And I do not believe that all the all the non Israelite seed people that were in that group somehow or other died or wandered off. I believe yeah, and that they I, became I'm part not, I'm not of suggesting that, but but for example, uh, now we know we know that there were uh, relatives of uh, Yitro, for example. Uh, 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 Jethro, a, a Midianite, yeah, a Midianite, yeah. a Midianite, right. and and his uh, descendants, the Kenites, eventually to where we get the uh, the Rechabites, who are in fact descendants of the Kenites. Now you you remember the Rechabites? Speaking of uh, Jeremiah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I okay. remember the fact that he mentions them. Yeah, yeah. So, but so, I still, I yeah, I think our difference basically comes from the fact that you you were saying that you have to be a seed descendant of of one of one of the twelve twelve tribes in order to be part of this. And I believe that anybody, in fact, I believe many seed descendants will be absolutely, will be, will be trashed. They'll be, they'll be put out because of the fact that they do not obey their God. They do not obey their Elohim. And I believe at the same time that the inverse will also be true where there will be people who are not seed descendants of Israel who will be part of it because of the fact that they will have walked according to Torah and walked in obedience to the father. Hmm. You'd need a, you'd need to give me a verse. I, I, I hear that this is what well, you believe, but I need well, to. I mean, well, I'm saying what I'm saying is, I mean, you need to give me a verse about how this mixed multitude became the children of Israel. Well, it, but it, you know, if if I, you have to give me some way 
whereby the, well, uh, the well, non, well, I'll give you one. The this is, if if okay. I continue with uh, with the Rechabites, I mean this, Jeremiah chapter thirty five really is God saying, "Listen, you guys, really," and He's talking to the Israelites. Why can't you be more like the Rechabites? You know, it's a little bit. It's a little bit like, you know, saying to your to one of your children, "Why can't you be like your neighbor's children?" You know, be more like them, because one of the things that is admired and respected about the Rechabites is that they have um, uh, integrity. They make a decision and they keep that decision. And in this case, it is to not uh, drink any wine, right? Not, not to drink any alcohol. And uh, they continue with this custom uh, with integrity, with fidelity. And, uh, and this is something that God says, listen, these guys, you can learn something from. These guys, are, you know, are, are I, I really like, why can't you be more like them? But the, my point is, is that the Rechabites are still Rechabites. They're descendants of the Kenites. And here they are in the land of Israel, living very happily with the people of Israel, not only owning land, but living among them. Uh, so you're, so you're, saying, you're saying that the Mitzrites that came out of, out of Egypt with Israel, uh, many of them or their, and or their descendants, well, any of their descendants actually, uh, ended up in the land of Israel, but not owning any land? Yeah, correct. Okay, that's, I'm sorry, but that... There's not enough. I don't see enough evidence for that. There may there may be this little tiny indication of somebody that lived in Israel who didn't own land, but I don't think that, that necessarily is the characterization of the entire group. I think I think I think that there's a reason why they started out as a mixed multitude and they ended up as the children of Israel. Hmm. I think that and I think that's because they were integrated. Yeah, I, can, I mean, look, all I can do is I can read to you the the, the verses. Um, right. In, would you like more mm-hmm. verses? No, not not really. Not. That's, that's I, I interesting. Think that takes us. That takes us. I'm sorry, but I I think that I think that Yehovah is more concerned with obedience than he is with with uh, inheritance. And I look I, well well two they they don't have to be opposed to each other. This is my point. There is, in the same way that, that God is concerned with and was uh, impressed with the obedience of the Rechabites and literally said to the, to the Israelites, why can't you be more like these guys? Uh, I think that there is no need. See, this is the problem that I have, uh, Gene, is that unfortunately, in particularly post-Christianity, when people uh, move away from traditional Christianity or in fact even refine their faith to the Tanakh, because of the tradition from where they've come from, they feel a vacuum because in Christianity, there's, there's a, a mentality either of, of either you are in or you are out. And all of a sudden, they feel like they are out and therefore, what must they be in? They have an identity crisis and, uh, and they feel that that, that that needs to be filled uh, because there's a sense of inadequacy in just being a non-Jew or a non-Israelite. Uh, and I think it's unfortunate because there is no second-rate citizen. Uh, a non-Israelite is no better than an Israelite. An Israelite is no better than a non-Israelite. There is no supremacy between the two. Uh, there's no inadequacy between the two. Uh, God is impressed with obedience from uh, a non-Israelite in as much as he is very much impressed with the, with the obedience of, a, of an Israelite. True. Uh, there is no necessity for a non-Israelite to become an Israelite. And what I'm suggesting to you is that I'm happy to go there with you if you could supply me with some verses. Um, but until I, could, I can analyze those, then all I can go with is, is verses like, uh, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their seed after them. You know, and this, is, this continues on all the way through the, the, the Tanakh. Well, well, yeah, but but 
See, I have to take you back again to Yar Davidi and back to uh, Stephen Collins and back to numerous people that have done tremendous research to prove that the, the Israelites from the northern kingdom hmm. were scattered all over the place, scattered yeah. everywhere. I'm, I'm, and I'm, happy believe, to, I'm happy to go there. Yeah, yeah I'm happy okay. to go there. And, and that the seed of Zeri Israel has been scattered all through the land, as God even says in Deuteronomy. Uh, that, that they will be evicted from the land scattered through the nations. That, that, that I have right. no problem with. And I do believe, like you believe, that they will be gathered uh, again and returned to their land. Um, where we seem to have a disagreement is that non-Zeri Israel, non-Israelites, right, non-patrilineal descendants, uh, you feel are going to be included in that and inherit land in Israel. And what I'm saying to you is that there's no precedent for that in the Torah. In fact, it says, it says no such thing. I mean, I could read to you another one in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 4. It says, The Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. O you seed of Israel, his servant, uh, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Uh, this is a, a theme that, that runs all the way through. Yeah, well, except that, like I said again, the bottom line is that when they came out of Israel, they were called a mixed multitude. And by the time they got to the promised land, that, that, that phraseology is completely gone. They are the children of Israel. And I don't see them. I don't see any statements to the effect. Oh, by the way, will you children of Israel and all of you other rem, all of you other people that are hanging out, hanging around with them, come over here and, and come to Israel. Mm-hmm. I think that they all became part of Israel. I tell, really believe that. Tell me. Okay. So tell me when you say they become Israel, you mean they become uh, uh, dwellers in the land. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The land and, of, and, okay. they affili- and they become affiliated become- with tribes. Yeah. And they become a field. And how would that happen? Do you think? Tell me how that would happen. If I don't they, know. Okay. I think it would. It would have to. It would almost have to be a thing. And this is this is conjecture because I don't have anything to point to for that. Mm. But I, the bottom line is, I see. I see them starting out as a mixed multitude, and I see them ending up as the children of Israel. And I don't believe that there was this hangers-on group that was not mentioned during the entire forty-year period in, in the scriptures, uh, in you know, in the wilderness. And suddenly, the children of Israel pop out the other end. I think that. Well, I think that the people. That, that went into Israel hmm. were, were the children of Israel, just yeah. like they were described. Yeah, what, what we do see, Gene, is all the way through, like I already mentioned, the Rechabites and I mentioned Ruth is always referred to as a Moabites. Uh, every single time there is a non-Israelite in the land of Israel, they are uh, specifically referred to by where they are from. Yet there, we, we often see that there are such people living among the children of Israel Quite, quite happily. Uh, it's a mutual, um, uh, mutually respected community. Uh, but my point is that the land of Israel is divided among the tribes for the seed of Israel. This is a well, th- this theme is is that, it can't be denied. Well, the seed of Israel is a much much larger group than the group that, that we that we describe, it, like Judah. Mm-hmm. Judah is only a tiny part of the seed of Israel, and uh, uh, from what I can see in Scripture, this this greater exodus that's getting ready to happen mm-hmm. will be a huge huge thing which quite off quite obviously is going to just wash over Israel I mean I mean you know Judah is gonna is gonna see this tidal wave coming and wonder what's going on mm-hmm. and the bottom the bottom line is that when when that tidal wave arrives and, and it will arrive although and and I'm saying that even the remnant that we're, we're told in scripture is going to come mm-hmm. back that remnant's still going to be huge huge I mean I've I mean you know for instance I'll just give you some things like like in uh, Deuteronomy 110 where is where Moshe is speaking to uh, speaking to the, the the children of Israel and he says it's my wish that you should increase a thousandfold and uh, I mean historians pretty much across the board say that probably there were there's anywhere from two to four million 
Israelites mm. that he was speaking to. Sure. And so, and I, I grant you that a thousand fold can be just a, um, you know, just a statement of hyperbole. But mm. uh, if if you multiply two million times a thousand, uh, you've got you've got a uh, a Maloha Goyim. Mm. Mm. You've got. Look, I, you've I'm, got I'm with them. you, Gene. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, I do yeah. fully expect that. Uh, when all is restored, uh, we're looking at a massive amount of people. I yeah. don't doubt it. I, I right. hope I hope that and, to be true. And, and and of course, obviously, the land of Israel will be expanded to the boundaries that were described to the patriarchs, rather than this little tiny little tiny splinter that exists there right now. Mm. You know, it's going to be it's going to become the Israel that was prophesied. And sure. I believe you know, and I believe that uh, I'm sure you've you've heard this. You know, I, I I don't mean to be sounding like I'm talking down to you because I'm sure that you you know everything I know and more. But the bottom line is, for instance, um, you know, in the in the Torah where it's said several times to the patriarchs, out of your family shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Mm-hmm. In in um, your family, in, yeah, in, your, yeah, family, in your family, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it interesting that you can also translate that as in your family shall all the families of the earth be mixed together? Yeah, no, that's not and, interesting. And I, 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 yeah. So, Gene, what what I have to tell you something about me. I'm. I'm I'm someone who who very much likes to stick with the plain meaning of the text, and I don't like to apply different definitions to words that may be obscure. Once a word can mean anything, it means nothing. Um, and I'm very much uh, a fan of letting it say what it says. And uh, sorry to jump on you on that, but that's just one that's of my right, pet That's things. right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because there are other scholars that don't feel that way, you know. And and what I'm saying is that it if you look at mixed together, I think. I think we have had three, nearly three thousand years of mixing, and there's a whole lot of mixture that's gone on. And I think that, when really, when the truth be known, there's going to be a whole lot of Israelite blood in a whole lot of places. And yeah, I think that that's it's, it's you know, not that's so much Israelite blood. I mean, I, there would be Israelite blood in a whole lot of, but really, what we're looking at is a lineage, and it's a patrilineal, uh, a, it's patrilineal descent, father right. to father, seed to seed, is what we're talking about here, as far as uh, the inheritance is concerned. The inheritance of the land is concerned. Um, this is where we're at. This is where uh, I could offer you many, many, many verses. In fact, I would go to even, let's see, because I, I think Ezekiel chapter 20 uh, talks about the two houses and talks, let me go there for a second. Do we have time to do this? Sure. Yeah, that's one thing about doing a, a podcast is uh, we're not tied down to a time schedule or anything. That doesn't mean I want to do a five-hour shot, okay. but, uh, you know, but you know, we, we're not we're not sitting here looking nervously at the clock, wondering if we're going to be able to get this all in. No, that's right. About, so <laughs> that's right. Uh, let me see if I can find what I am looking for here, uh, because what I want is I thought what I wanted was uh, verse five. Let me see here. Uh, this is this is Ezekiel chapter twenty, okay. verse, verse five. Say unto them, Thus says the Lord God: On the day when I chose Israel, I raised my hand in an oath to the seed of the house of Jacob, and I made myself known to them uh, in the land of Egypt. I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. And on that day I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that had stretched out for them. Then if we go to, let's see, is it Ezekiel chapter, from verse 21, uh, Ezekiel 47. Uh, thus you shall divide the land among yourselves. Yeah, at, at the beginning. So uh, verse 13, thus says the Lord God, these are the borders which you shall divide the land of inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions, as, as you and I were already mentioned, because uh, Manasseh and Ephraim 
uh, right. get a full portion as if they are, in fact, sons of uh, Jacob. Uh, you right. shall inherit it equally with one another. For I raise my hand in an oath to give it to your fathers, and this land shall fall to you as your inheritance. Uh, again, we're talking about the seed of Israel, as we mentioned back in uh, Ezekiel chapter 20. And it talks about the division of the, um, uh, of the land among the 12 tribes. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I guess my thought is that I'm, no, I'm not nearly as enamored of the notion of Zerah being an absolute essence to, to be an Israelite or not. I just, I'm just not nowhere near as hooked on that as you are, obviously. Hmm. And uh, I, I, believe, I believe that Yehovah is the one who gets to determine who his people are. Well, this is this and is him speaking through his prophet Ezekiel. Uh, yeah, I we've read it in Jeremiah. What do, do you? Th- let me put it another way. Do you think that non-Israelites are somehow? I mean, I don't. I don't think that you believe this, but but you wouldn't say that they are second rate to Israelites. Is there a? No. Is it detrimental no, no. to be a non-Israelite in in your in understanding? Fact, well, I, I don't think there are that many non-Israelites out there because I think that that a much a large large proportion a Maloha Goyim. A fullness of the nations is Israelite already. Is of it has some Israelite blood, and therefore uh, qualifies to be a part well, part of an Israel well, in as, the future. As, as we said, now, some, some Israelite blood is not is not the the qualifier um, to be a, a. It's the lineage, not the percentage. Um, well, okay. So if you got a, if you got an Israelite ancestor, a male Israelite ancestor. Mm-hmm. Do you not qualify? Yeah, you, you would. But then my question would be, does that make if, – if someone does, does that make them in any way superior to someone who doesn't? No, but but the promises right. – Yehovah's promises to Israel yes. apply. And I think that's Absolutely. what we're all after. That's we, we are all seeking out his promises, seeking to fulfill his requirements, and seeking to walk in his walk, seeking to walk in his Torah. Right. I, think, I don't. I don't think it's a. It's a matter of looking down on anybody. But I. But I do believe that there will be people that will that will completely blow it off and walk away. That's, yeah. I, yeah look, I, I don't I, doubt it. I, I'm know, sure. I, I mean, we read about that in the latter chapters of Isaiah. My 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 point is, and this is a big thing for me, is that I do see uh, a lot of people, like I say, who come out of um, uh, Christianity uh, into a more uh, uh, Hebrew Hebraic mindset, if you like, or as I mentioned, people who do refine their faith to to the Tanakh as having an identity crisis and feeling inadequate because of the way that Christianity has conditioned them. They feel that they're either in or they're out, and they have to find what the in is. And what I often find is that people uh, look at, at, um, at Judaism and they go, ah, is there something in there that's for me? Is there some way that I can identify? And then eventually, uh, many of them will latch onto this concept of this vague Sort of this, you know, like in, in, in Star Wars, these are not the droids you were looking for as, as, as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi just sort of waves his hand. Somehow, if you identify with uh, the lost tribes of Israel, then you are of the lost tribes of Israel. It's not necessary. And, and what I'm saying to people uh, that feel this identity crisis is that there's absolutely no shame and there's no second-rate status to a person who is not Zeri Israel. Uh, and we can, re- we can find so many cases of people who are identified from the surrounding nations, um, people who are not Israelites within the Tanakh, who are spoken very, very highly of and regarded with, with great respect for their observ- observance of the Torah in as far as it applies to them and uh, in as far as they uphold it for, for others to whom uh, it may apply more. Uh, do, do you follow me? I have not ever ha- had that sense of, uh, of being lost or that sense of being inferior or that sense of being... Good. Um, out of my uh, bully pulpit or out of my uh, 
uh, you know, out of, out of a place of importance. I mean, I've, I think what I've discovered <clears throat> and what I felt, and yes, I do have things that, that stem from my feelings, as do many of us. You know, we, we feel, I mean, that, that when we came to Torah, we came home. I mean, it's not just a matter of, of finding something like the Torah and saying, well, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to set up camp here because, mm-hmm. because I got to have some place to set up camp. Yeah. So why not do it here? It's more than that. It's, it's finding that, yeah, this is, this is from the Elohim. Yeah, my father. Exactly. This is the place I'm supposed to be. And I and I absolutely agree with you. And I and and again, that's. I mean, it, it, I I'm with you 100 percent when you say that because people do analyze, they do their Bible study, and they see that the thing that that stands out uh, in the Tanakh that is different from every other so-called divine claim in in other religions and so on and so forth right. is the fact that uh, that in the Torah we have a national revelation. We have a a divine imparting of the Torah at Mount Sinai audibly to the people, uh, so much so that it freaks them out. In fact, my, my favorite verse, uh, Gene, is, is one of my favorite verses, probably, probably my favorite. Exodus 19, verse 9, it says, Behold, I will come to you. God, God is speaking to Moses. He says, I'll come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe in you forever. And that's what sets it apart from every other divine claim is that here we have a national revelation where the people hear the voice of God and he delivers to them audibly uh, and terrifyingly the the Ten Commandments, uh, so much so that they approach Moses and say, that's enough. Can you please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you yeah, please? Would you, yeah. would you talk to him and would you tell us what he said? Which, which pleases God. <laughs> uh, we read later that he's like, yep, good. Struck the fear of God, the fear of me, into them. Yeah, right. Uh, they're not going to uh, forget this anytime soon. That sets uh, this this divine uh, occurrence apart from every other divine claim uh, in the history of the globe. Uh, a a, a um, national revelation as opposed to a private revelation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for that very reason, absolutely, uh, Jew or non-Jew, Israelite or non-Israelite, whatever terminology you would like to use... Uh, it makes perfect sense that a non-Israelite would observe this and go, you know what, I believe, I believe that this is true. I'm compelled by this for so many reasons. And, uh, you know, and as a result, I'm going to seek to uh, implement as much Torah in my life as I understand it applies to me uh, as, as a non-Israelite. And I'm going to support and, uh, and bless Israel uh, in addition to that. And... Uh, this is where I think that um, uh, I would like to see uh, people who are refining their faith uh, and, and, and have an understanding of, this, of, of the two houses and, and, and the Torah and so on and so forth. This is where I would like to see them comfortably settle as opposed to feeling like they need to find an identity outside of their own uh, because it's not necessary. They're, they're not inadequate. They're not inferior in any way. And, uh, and the people of Israel are not superior. Zeri Israel is not superior. The only difference is, is that there's certain laws that apply to them in regards to the ownership of land. Are you with me? Well, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think I have, we have, we're t- using different terms to describe different things. See, I, I, don't like to use non, I don't like to use non-Jew and non-Israelite as being similar terms. Okay, I well, think, I'm, I think, I'm using I think both of them to, so that you can pick and choose. I'm not, I'm not equating... Yeah. Because um, you see, choose non, the one that you prefer. Non-Jews, because there are, there are, I believe there are billions of non-Jewish Israelites. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, let, we, we, yeah. we can we can we can do that, but you know, you well, choose the well, terminology. But, but if they're Israelites, prefer. yeah, if they're yeah. Israelites, then they have a piece of this. Yeah, and I agree. And this is why I this is why I prefer to use the terminology of the Bible 
where it talks about Zara Yisrael, because that mm. covers it all. It's a patrilineal descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, seed yeah, to seed. Fine. But I also, I, and I think where we disagree then is I believe that you that a man can approach Yehovah with his heart turned toward Yehovah in a manner that pleases Yehovah and find himself as a son of Israel. I believe that can happen too. Okay, so it's, we live in a funny world where, um, you know, someone, uh, Elizabeth Warren claims to be a native Indian or, or uh, uh, Rachel, uh, what, what was her name? The, 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 the woman who was white as white, white bread uh, decided that she was in fact an, an African-American. Um, people who are male that declare themselves to be female. We, we live in this world of self-identification and we do that, uh, many people do that, and it seems to be what you're electing to do as well is to be able to just identify as without any precedent in the Tanakh. I would need to see a verse. Now, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to help you here because there, I know that there's a lot of people who are listening, and you haven't mentioned this yet. Maybe there's a reason for that. So feel, feel free to jump in and qualify this. But I know that there are people listening saying, well, what about, what about Caleb? Caleb, isn't he mm-hmm. an example of, uh, of someone who was of the mixed multitude but was, quote-unquote, grafted into to the tribe of Judah? Are you familiar with this theory? Yes. yes. What, what, what do you make of that? Um, once again... I, I can't give you specifics because I don't think specifics are necessarily given in the Torah, but I believe that Caleb ended up as part of Israel. Okay, and, and I, you know, I believe you know. I mean, he was he was one of the two two positive spies, right? You know, he and he, uh, he and, jo- he and uh, Joshua, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Yehoshua, yeah, and uh, I mean, the bottom line is, I believe that there is there is a, a a way to become an Israelite besides having a daddy who's an Israelite. Now, the vast majority of us. I believe have daddies, but I believe that that a person can become an Israelite because of his attitude toward Yehovah. Mm. And I also, I also at the same time believe that a person can lose his Israelite uh, position because of his attitude toward Yehovah. Mm. So I believe both. How do you, do you? Because I'm I'm trying to get this out of you. How how would Caleb? How did Caleb? Where was he from? And how? What was the process by which he was? I'm just going to use that, the term crafted in. Uh, or it seems like I remember him being a, he's a Kenite, right? He was a Kenite, right? A, a Kenizzite, not a Kenite, but a Kenizzite. Kenizzite, okay, yeah, Kenizzite. Right. And, so, and, you know, and, and how was he included into the tribe of Judah? I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. How you know, I don't, can I you don't, be confident that if you don't know how Caleb went from being a Kenizzite to, to, to being a member of the tribe of Judah, can you be confident that any non-Jew can go from being, or sorry, not a non-Jew, but a non-Israelite, non-Zeri Israel, so be, let's be specific, uh, to being being included in a in a tribe. Well, how do you explain him? How do you explain his his position in the right. situation? Okay, so how do you? I, I will explain. It. So now, when when we talk about not the Kenites, that's the the descendants of um, Yitro, but uh, a Kenizzite, uh, what we're talking about right. is a descendant of the uh, the nation uh, referred to as the Kenizzites. If I remember, I think it's in Genesis chapter fifteen. I'm just going to go there now because I like to be, as I said, I like to be specific. Uh, yeah, it is. So so from verse, what is this verse? 18, uh, to your descendants I have given this land from the, uh, and I bet you anything that says seed, uh, <laughs> uh, given this uh, uh, land from the river uh, of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, as you were saying, uh, the greater Israel that, that's never been actualized uh, as yet, but we look forward to that. Um, and then in verse 19, uh, the Kenizzites, um, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, uh, the Cardmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, and, and anyway, so here they are mentioned, the Kenizzites. Uh, Caleb is referred to as a Kenizzite, right? And uh, the son of Yefuneh, if I remember correctly. And we assume then 
that Yefuneh must be a Kenazite. I mean, that would follow, right? Would that make sense to you? Right. Okay. Yes. And yet, it also refers to Caleb being as of the tribe of Judah, and this is where the confusion comes from. And we think, well, how can... how could Because I'll tell you now, Gene, if this is the case... That makes Caleb the anomaly in the whole of the Tanakh. There is no other example anywhere in the Tanakh where uh, a non-Zeri Israel is all of a sudden included in and inherits land, no less, Hebron, in, uh, in the tribe of Judah. How is it possible? Because this is an absolute anom- an anom- anomaly and it's, it's an amazing thing. And there is an answer and there's a very simple answer to this. And it's not one that, that, that is discussed Caleb's half-brother, uh, do, do you remember Caleb's half-brother, Otniel? No, not oh. off the top. I've, I've read it, but I, I, I don't remember the story. Otniel, Otniel is, uh, is a judge uh, mentioned in the Book of Judges. Uh, he finds his place there. Uh, Otniel is the half-brother of Caleb, uh, meaning that Caleb and Otniel share a mother. Their mother is in common. Uh, Otniel's father, guess what his name was? I don't know. Kanaz. Okay. Hence, Caleb is a Kenazite. Caleb's mm-hmm. Caleb's father, Yefuneh, uh, maybe he died in the in the wilderness, as you know, as the uh, they were there for forty years, and maybe he passed in the wilderness as one of the older generation. But his mother remarried Kenaz and produced Otniel, and as a result, Caleb becomes part of the the family of uh, Kenaz, and hence is referred to as a Kenazite. Kenaz, Yefuneh, are of Judah. Caleb is of Judah. Hence, Caleb is both a Kenazite and of the tribe of Judah. The reference to Kenazite, uh, when you know, in the context of, ja- of of Caleb, is not pointing back to Genesis chapter fifteen. That's a totally different story, and it's a totally different focus, totally different context. Uh, here we are, uh, I think, referring to the book of Numbers here, and it goes into detail. Uh, Caleb's stepfather is Kenaz, hence he is a Kenazite. This is news to you, right? Well, I mean, I, I remember exploring that. I remember, I remember knowing that he was a Kenazite. I, I mm. had not gone back and hunted down who his ancestors were. This is, this is why. Um, so there's a simple explanation as to why he's referred to as a Kenazite and that he is a, of the tribe of Judah. People, people listening to this would be going, well, I've never heard that before. I didn't know that. I have to go and do the research, and I strongly suggest that you do, and you'll find references in, in uh, Judges and Numbers and so on and so forth that will bear this out. Uh, and, and that's the uh, solution to what is a bit of a, um, a brain twister. Yeah, well, I, see, I know this is a Brit Kadasha a, a statement, but it, said, but it says that Yehovah is not the respecter of persons. I believe that his that his concern is pr- far more with where our heads are aimed, where our hearts are aimed, than where our sperm cells came from. Uh, look, I would agree with you, uh, saying that uh, he he really wants us to live according to his ways, regardless of uh, of who our father is. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, what I'm saying to you is that the the Torah and the Tanakh as a whole repeatedly re- reiterates that the land is the inheritance of Zeri Israel. There's no question about it. Now, what, now, I, now, the other thing is that, you know, there are people who, uh, who feel drawn to the Tanakh. They feel drawn to the Torah and they, they begin to investigate uh, their family trees, say, for example. They've never done so before. It's, it's a strange thing these days that people aren't so curious about where they came from. They miss out on so much of their own identity when they when they have no interest in where they came from. I would strongly suggest to everybody that they get on MyHeritage, I think it's MyHeritage.com, uh, and and do some digging and find out what where did you come from, and particularly your patrilineal line. Follow it back as far as you can because you you never know. 
you may find that you are, in fact, of Zeri Israel. Another really interesting thing to do is to check your, uh, get, you know, check your DNA. Go and get your, your, your DNA read and find out what your haplogroup is because we do know, not all, probably not all, but we know uh, many, many haplogroups uh, that are of Jewish origin. We know, we know Jewish uh, haplogroups and we have to thank uh, people of the tribe of Judah and, and, and particularly the people of the, uh, the tribe of Levi, particularly Levi, I had to be very specific about uh, who they were and, and retain their identity. And, and as a result, we know that uh, uh, what Levy's uh, haplogroups are. And so, you know, it's fascinating, this science that is uh, accelerating uh, yeah, have these you, days. Have you, heard, have you heard about the Cherokees? Uh, uh, I, I understand. Their, their Native DNA. American Cherokee? Is that, yeah, is, yeah, yeah the Cherokees. Go ahead. The Cherokees, the Cherokees and the Ashkenaz share a haplogroup that is shared by no other people group in the world. Right. There you go. Now there's there's a place to start and you and you have to say to yourself okay so what you know what what can be what can be extrapolated here what can be understood from this if you well, have uh, I would say to to people if you do have a a claim to a a genetic uh, a connection to Israel there's something to dig deeper into there and uh, and that's something to be taken very seriously because it may mean it may mean that a greater portion of the Torah actually does apply to you and you need to implement that in your life. But unless you have something like that uh, and you're relying perhaps on a feeling or a personal revelation or, a, or, a, or just a belief system, uh, that's okay. But if, that, if you're clinging to that because of a feeling of inadequacy, then I would say to anyone who, who has no connection, uh, no such connection, don't feel second rate because no such concept uh, exists in the Tanakh. Okay, well, that's fine. I I just I know that, for instance, the, the Cherokees. The Cherokees had many, have many traditions that obviously derive from Judaism, or not mm. Judaism, but from the Israelite religion that they brought with them. Their ancestors brought with them from their whatever connection they had with Ashkenaz. I mean, the the, the Cherokees are the only people on earth who, at a wedding, smash a drinking implement under their feet, like the Jews do. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, the, the, the Cherokee claimed to have had a an ark that they carried around until the 1700s, when it was purportedly taken by another tribe. Mm. Um, things like that. You know, there obviously there are remnants of of a comp of a shared heritage there. Uh, it's not and, obvious. It's speculative. These these sort of things are speculative because we see we see some overlap and some uh, you know we can compare certain traditions and we think maybe this came down orally. This this sort of custom is kind of similar to this. What I'm talking about is something concrete. You need to do well, what, they, what I would say to people yeah. is 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 uh, do proper study of your own genealogy. Uh, sure, and that's that's a smart move anyway. Yeah, and yeah. but these are these are concrete things. Uh, this is. This is something that I think is going to help people with their with their identity. Feelings and uh, similarities are too nebulous to to pin something to. Um, and you know, it's fine. Like I say, it's fine if this is if this is what people want to do. They 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 you know they feel strongly about this. Perhaps they've had a private revelation. They believe it's from God. Whatever. But uh, again, my my main concern for people is that if they're doing this out of of, of a feeling of inadequacy because they somehow feel that their identity is lacking. They should understand that that it is not the case, and that the the Torah and the Tanakh as a whole bears it out. And you find many such examples of uh, non-Zeri Israel that are spoken very highly of and, and respected uh, uh, through, but you know, and and are in good standing with God. Yep. Well, you know, and obviously there there are races which which are described as being um, 
like you say, in, in God's high estimation, um, even after after this whole mess, at the, at the close of this mess, mm. you know, you know, Egypt, for instance, mm. and uh, you know, there were several nations in, in the Middle East which are which are spoken of very highly, and I understand that. But yeah, this- I'm saying that there there are many people there are many people who discover the uh, the truths of the, of the Torah and they realize, hold on a second, I'm not doing these truths. Why am I not doing these truths? Mm. And uh, and they start to do it, and they realize that they've they've come home. They realize that they realize that that that's what they should have been doing all along, and they love it. And in fact, many of them, when they first start doing it, think that they're the they think that they're the 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 weird case. They think that they're the the one the the people on the on the edge. When in fact, there are people all around them. They're doing the same thing. Yeah, it's not uncommon. And I, I, I look, you and I would absolutely agree here that it's a an, an excellent thing where where people uh, voluntarily choose to implement the Torah in their own lives in as much as they understand that it applies to them. Uh, I, I think that's something to be encouraged. And, I, and I, I'll just say one other thing too, is that uh, just to add a caveat to what I was talking about before, the the understanding of or the feeling of inadequacy or, or supremacy among uh, different uh, lineages uh, is the, the, the is the the basis of, uh, of racism, um, you understand. And so it's important, it's very important that we don't view ourselves as inadequate or view ourselves as superior based on, you know, what, what our family tree is. Uh, that's a yeah. real major, major problem and something to be avoided at all costs. And as I said, there's nothing in the Torah that would suggest a superiority or inferiority. Um, so yeah, it, it, that that yeah. sort of mentality you've, needs to be avoided altogether. Yeah. You've heard of the Black Hebrews, I'm sure. Oh my goodness! Oh my you know, goodness! You know. So yeah, what a mess! What oh a mess. dear, Black Hebrew Israelites. Um, just from at least from the uh, uh, the press that we receive over here in Australia of that cult that you have over there in the states, uh, horribly anti-Semitic, horribly anti-Semitic and yeah, offensive. Exactly. Um, yes, and that sort of thing should be, and and they certainly do seem to uh, put down uh, other lineages, and they view themselves as superior, at least uh, from from what I've seen. Uh, abhorrent, I, I think it's a terrible, terrible thing. I agree. I agree. It's a complete mess. And see, I I guess I see Joseph's many colored coat, and yes, this is this is symbolic. I see it as a symbol of the multiracial racial composition of Israel. Mm. I think I think there are Israelites of every color you can imagine, of every mm. size, of every shape. I would agree. You know, Israel Israel is not just one one tiny little genome, one tiny little um, racial group, but rather mm. a whole collection of people who mm-hmm. who who are in ev- who fit every possible description you might imagine. Yeah, and I think I, that's I one agree. of the deals. Yeah, I would agree with that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So so really, you know, I think I think the thing that probably the primary thing that we disagree about is whether or not. Um, those that see themselves as Israelites but that uh, don't have the Zera that you're talking about um, are somehow they're not going to have a place in, in the, the land ownership of Israel. Mm. That's, that's, know, really, that's really where it comes down to it is. Uh, I mean, if, if there was such a, a concept, you'd, you'd have to find a, uh, a, a, a passage of conversion uh, in, in the Torah, in the Tanakh, um, but there is no such thing. I mean, would you be able to point well, to any sort of? You, you mean conversion to Judaism? Well, no, conversion to uh, let's just say conversion to Israel as you understand it. Well, um, I don't. I don't know whether conversion really matters. If I look at if I look at um, Ezekiel eighteen, mm-hmm. 
Ezekiel 18 tells me that a righteous man, if he turns to unrighteousness, Abba will view him as having been unrighteous his entire life. Mm-hmm. If, a, if an unrighteous man turns to righteousness, Abba will view him as being righteous for his entire yep. life. Yeah. And I hear nothing no, nothing spoken of conversion there at all. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. So, I would agree. You know, so, yeah. so, you know, I don't think a conversion is, is necessarily a requirement here. Mm. You know, yeah, you know but that's, look, that's what I think. I, I would agree with you. I, I would say that there is no such uh, concept of conversion anywhere in the Tanakh. The closest that you'll get to it, and again, uh, if this is in any way a, a form of some kind of form of conversion, again, it would be an anomaly in the text, and that is uh, Exodus chapter 12. I think it's verse 42. Let me go there. Uh, and it's in relation, you know the story, it's in relation to Pesach. Uh, and what is being said is that uh, no stranger shall uh, take part in the Pesach ritual. Uh, it is not required of them. And it is, uh, let me just get this verse. It is from 43. Okay. Uh, the observance of the Passover, no foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought with money, uh, when you have circumcised him, he may eat it. Now, the reason for that is, uh, as you know, the Ebed, who is a non-Israelite, is, uh, right. becomes the possession of the Israelite for life. Uh, and so they need to be circumcised. And when they're circumcised, they may participate in, in the Passover ceremony goes on to say a sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. They shan't. But it goes on to say in verse um, uh, verse 48, when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover, so this is voluntarily if a stranger says, you know what, I know I'm, this is not required, it's not incumbent upon me to do so, but I'd really like to identify with you in as far as uh, this ritual is concerned, uh, wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and it shall be, uh, and he shall be as a, as native, a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native-born and for the stranger who dwells among you. So this yep. would be, uh, I, this is what my, um, my uh, Jewish study Bible, my, my Oxford Jewish study Bible in the study notes refers to as perhaps a, a quasi-Israelite someone who wants to identify with, uh, with Israel and chooses to go undergo circumcision, he and his, his uh, family, so that they may participate in the Passover. And as, as we just read, uh, the law, the, the particular Torah that says you cannot participate in this until you are circumcised, you must all be, only the circumcised can participate, that law pertains not just to Zeri Israel, but it also pertains to the, the stranger who voluntarily chooses to participate in the Passover. Uh, and in that sense, the, that law is, is, applies to both. Uh, and we have three examples of this, by the way. You're probably familiar with this. Three examples where a particular Torah uh, is the same for the native-born as it is for the stranger. Yes, exactly. Uh, one of those we've already mentioned, and that was in regards to the, the man with the Egyptian father and the mother of Dan. Uh, when he blasphemed uh, the name of God, because he was not an Israelite, they had to check to see what should be done with him. And God said, eventually, he said, no, he will. It, it is the same for the native-born as it is for the stranger. He, he shall be stoned with stones until he's dead. Uh, so the punishment was the same. It was the same Torah for both. Uh, the other example, can you remember what the other example is? It, it eludes my, my brain at the moment. Not, not off the top of my head, no. Mm. No, I but there are, but, there are uh, three. There's and you know, <laughs> there, there's there's just three examples where uh, you know a particular Torah applies to both to both people. Right. But uh, but not all uh, Torah. Got, I have a question for you. Go for um, it. What about what about an Israelite who sells himself into servitude? Mm-hmm. He's still an Israelite, right? Correct. Okay. Even the, isn't he an Eved? Yes, he is. 
Okay, so so he doesn't lose his Israelitishness or no, his no, not at all. Or his obligation to do anything, you know, to do anything absolutely. according to Torah. That's right. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, with absolutely. That and that and the difference is between the uh, the non-Israelite. Eved and the uh, the Israelite Eved, as you know, uh, every seven years, the the, the Shemitah year and also the, the the Jubilee year, there is a release. There's there's a a going free. There's a um, uh, I mean, they can choose to continue to serve uh, if they like that situation, well and good. Uh, but if their if their particular financial situation has improved and they prefer to uh, to be set free, okay, very good as well, and off they go. Um, right. And that is the difference. That that isn't available to the the Eved, the non-Israelite Eved, they become property of their master. Uh, and, and look, we see that in, in, I think it's Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 1, I think, uh, for the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will still choose Israel to settle them in their own land. The stranger will be joined with them and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Then people will take them. And I mean, it sounds good so far, right? You're, you're, you're good with this. Uh, right. Then people will take them and bring them to their place, uh, and the house of Israel will possess them for servants and maids in the land of the Lord, and they will take them captive, whose captives they were, and rule over their oppressors. So in this way, in this way, there's there is a. I mean, I I don't know how attractive this would be to anybody, but if you really wanted to join Israel and become the possession of an of an Is- Israelite uh, master, then in that sense, you would be in a way, joined with uh, greater Israel. Uh, again, that's, that's Isaiah chapter 14, verse 1. I don't know who would voluntarily subject themselves to that, but maybe there are people who would. I don't know. I don't know, but I, you know, I, I, I still look back to that mixed multitude, and I say to myself that that mixed multitude didn't consist of, of, of Zerah Israelites and their slaves. I mean, I, I don't believe that. I believe that there were, there were many Egyptians that came with them purely of their own volition. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm <clears> not, <throat> saying, that, I'm not and, saying that the mixed multitude were, were just uh, Ebed. I'm not yeah. saying that they were all uh, right. possessions of... I'm not saying that at all. But, and we know that's not the case because, as I mentioned, we read about uh, the foreigners who are with Israel because they're always referred to as their place of origin, their, their family of origin, their, uh, their nation of origin. Um, you would need, as I, as I keep saying, you would need to find a verse that, that explicitly states that they somehow magically are um, are absorbed into tribes and given inheritance. Uh, yeah, you you won't See, find it. There's just, yeah, there's so little discussion of the quote unquote foreigners of the of the non of the non Israelites. There's mm. so little discussion of them, and throughout the, the five books of Torah, I mean, they're they're not discussed very much at all. And I have a hard time believing that that many people were there for all those 40 years and somehow or other they were just sort of omitted from the discussion or for the most part omitted. I mean, there's an occasional mention here and there, but nothing like, I mean, you know, you never hear um, about the foreigners not following Torah, not not following Shabbat. I'm no, well, this, this is the I thing. Believe- I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't be very popular in the land if you chose to kick against the laws of the land in which you dwell. Um, right. People, people would absolutely uphold. Uh, not ju- as I mentioned, you know, in as far as it, it applies to them, but also uh, uphold the right for others who who um, uh, to whom a particular law applies. They need to uh, be compliant to the law of the land, and that law of the land is Torah. Right. I mean, here's, right. another, here's another one: Jeremiah chapter forty-six, verse twenty-seven. It says, uh, "Fear not, my servant Jacob." Be not dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar off. This is what you were talking about, right? And, uh, and your seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and be at ease 
uh, and at rest, and none shall make him afraid. It's Jeremiah forty six twenty seven. Okay, um, I don't have a problem with that. I, and you know, looking at Jeremiah, for instance, Jeremiah went uh, covered a huge span of, of area in the course of, of dealing with Israel. I mean, he mm. you know he ended up going up to I- Ireland, and that I don't think that that's just somebody. You would need a you would need a text for that. There is yeah yeah. There's 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 history to back that. Well, there's, there's, there is, I mean, I know that there's a, uh, there's a theory that Jeremiah took the ark to Ireland. Is this what you're talking about? Well, yeah. And, and the, and the shepherd stone. Yeah. There's, there's this sort of, there are these theories. Um, actually I, I, I would be more inclined to, to subscribe to, uh, the book of Maccabees, second Maccabees. Uh, I think it's chapter eight, verse two, hang on a second, uh, because I don't believe that. Here it is. I'm sorry. It's chapter two. Second uh, Maccabees chapter two uh, for the listeners. And uh, it talks about uh, Jeremiah uh, taking the furnishings, the Ark of the Covenant, and um, found a cave dwelling in the Valley of Nebo, which is on the, let's see, it must be the east side of the Jordan um, from Jerusalem. Uh, he brought there the tent and the Ark of the Altar of Incense, and he sealed up the entrance in the cave. And some of those who followed him came up intending to mark the way, but could not find it. And when Jeremiah learned of it, he rebuked them and declared, The place shall remain unknown until God gathers his people together and shows his mercy. Then the Lord will disclose these things, and the glory of the Lord and the cloud will appear, as they were shown in the case of Moses, uh, and as Solomon asked that the place should be spe- uh, specifically consecrated. Um, I'm more inclined to subscribe to that theory. It's an interesting thing that here in Second Maccabees, that account is, is citing from another document, which gives credibility to the, uh, to the story. But that's Second Maccabees chapter 2. Yeah, well, I, I, believe, I believe that the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant never left Israel. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it never went as far afield as, as Ireland. But I do believe the shepherd stone went with, 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 with him and when he went to Ireland. And the shepherd stone has been, they claim that that's the same stone upon which the kings of Ireland, the kings of England and Scotland have all been crowned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you, you do know that the, the English monarchy uh, has an entire lineage that they point to and say, we are descended from, the, from David. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this you is know. the stone of scone, I think, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Well, that's one of the terms used to describe it. It's yeah. now in Ireland. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I, because I, I believe that the uh, the current monarch monarchy is the monarchy of England, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's another thing that people are going to disagree about until Jehovah straightens out the argument and tells everybody what it is. Well, there's a, there's a very simple way to to check that out. I mean, if only that would give us um, a, a DNA sample to spec, uh, speculate on, uh, yeah. we could rule it in or out. Because yeah. uh, what we would be looking for is the Y chromosome and uh, and a haplogroup that would suggest that they are in fact of Judah. Uh, right, but, right. But until then, we're speculating and relying on on uh, uh, speculations and theories much, yes. you know, earlier where, than the uh, than the, the the current science of DNA. Uh, where, where do you think the throne is now? Where do you think the throne is now? Well, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, look, the thing about it is that Jeremiah, yeah. um, uh, not Jeremiah, Solomon, uh, he had a lot of wives. <laughs> he had a lot of wives and a lot of concubines. I mean, nearly you add them up, and you're looking at about a thousand women. He was a busy boy. Uh, I, yeah. We don't hear very much about his about his seed. We don't hear very much. I mean, obviously, Reuvam. Incidentally, by the way, talking about patrilineal descent, uh, Reuvam does not have uh, an Israelite mother. He has a mother of the nations, uh, mm-hmm. which is just a side note, but it's an interesting one. 
and yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, but obviously regarded uh, at the tribe of Judah, of course, because his father right. mm-hmm. is uh, of Judah. Uh, Reuven right. is uh, the one that we primarily hear about, and we don't hear about. I mean, we we, we assume maybe that the uh, that the uh, the king of the everlasting uh, kingdom will be a descendant of uh, David and Solomon. Whether he will be a descendant of Reuven, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I think I think that's the general idea, uh, but maybe it's just someone we've never heard of. We we really don't know. Yeah, that could be. But uh, but we're but, constantly yeah. told that this will be the case. Those, are the, but those are the things that we're you know that we won't know for sure until Abba straightens us all out. Yeah, yeah, may it be soon. I agree mm. with that. Mm. Well, brother, it's been really good. It's been a good talk. And we have our disagreements, but we're still brothers. Yeah, look, I, look, it's been and, a great uh, conversation. I, I really appreciate yes. you having me on, and I and I, I apologize for trying to. But I've never really investigated your program before, so I really wanted to try and see where you were coming from, so that we could use the same kind of. It's it's so important when you have a conversation like this to use the same terminology or terminology that is clear, so that there's not uh, confusion in the conversation right. where where ideas don't meet. Uh, so I just wanted to qualify where you were coming from, uh, and it's it's you know it's really interesting. So I I appreciate your patience with me. Uh, uh, I thank you for problem. your time and thanks for having me on. Well, thank you, brother. And uh, if you think this is the only time I'm going to have you on, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward <laughs> we'll to, to returning. We'll have to get yes, we'll have to get together and do this again. But sure. I thank you for your time. I thank you for the hour and forty five minutes. Wow. Oh, really? Or whatever. Well, see, time hour time flies when you're having hour fun. Hour and thirty four minutes. Time that's flies right, when you're having that's fun. Right. Yeah. And this this was fun. So <laughs> thank you, brother, and uh, and stay out of the fire down there if you don't mind, please. Mm. And my admonition to all the listeners every time that I do one of these is four words. And those four words are, remember who you are. <laughs>